Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. I still feel the holiness of the Lord really strong. We were singing that for a while, and it's still very thick in here. And I felt like as we were singing to the holiness of God, that we were singing to the perfect one. You know, Jesus is perfect. There's nothing missing in him. There's nothing broken. And I felt like as we were singing to the holiness of God, that he was perfecting that which was lacking in us. We all have lack because we're not there yet. We're not where Rick Anderson is and Todd Adams is right now. We're not in perfection, but in the meantime, as we sing to the holiness of God, he perfects, he makes complete that which is lacking in us. So I just wanted to give some language to what I felt like the Lord was doing as we sang that for an extended time. So if you ever feel that lack, which I do every day, multiple times a day, I feel the lack of where the gap between me and the Lord, start singing to him. And I, I believe that he'll impart some of his perfection to us in those moments of praise. So I want to invite us to turn to our Bibles, turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 is where we'll be this morning. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Isaiah is my favorite book in the Bible. I feel like it's got everything in there. And we're going to look at some amazing verses that have real practical application for our day-to-day lives. And I As I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that this might be the most practical message that I've given to this body of believers as of yet. This might be the most practical, day-to-day, help-you-in-your-life message that I've given to this church. And so we'll look for sure at the first two verses of Isaiah 11. We are for sure, Lord willing, going to get through the first two verses, and then if we have time, we'll lightly go over the next eight verses, going up to verse 10, and we'll look for sure at the sevenfold spirit of God in the first two verses, specifically verse two. The next three verses talk about Jesus coming back as the judge of the universe, and then the last five verses talk about the millennial peace or the thousand-year reign of Jesus as king on the earth from Jerusalem, establishing worldwide peace across the entire created order. And that's what the the verses 6 through 10 talk about. It's beautiful. So let's read the verses now. So if I don't get to the last eight, at least you'll hear them from my mouth right now. All right, so Isaiah 11, starting at verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow or be fruitful out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight, Jesus' delight, is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity or fairness for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, 
and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. He's going to blow on the Antichrist and he'll be incinerated. That's how powerful he is. Verse 5, righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Here we are in the millennial peace. You got wolves hanging out with lambs. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. Gina, are you going to have Arrow play by a cobra's hole right now? Not now, but then, yes. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Wow. The two-year-olds playing in viper's dens. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. No demonic influence at all. Verse 10. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him. And his resting place shall be glorious. Amen. All right, so let's look at the first two verses here. Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. First verse. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow or be fruitful out of his roots. So this word rod in verse 1 speaks of a ruling scepter. A king would hold a ruling scepter, a rod in his hand. It spoke of his power. So this rod is a king. And Isaiah, just so you know, is 700 years before Jesus. 300 years after David, 700 years before Jesus. He sees this rod growing out from the stem of Jesse. The stem of Jesse, many of you know, David's dad was named Jesse. So David himself was the stem or the offshoot of Jesse. So the rod from the stem of Jesse is a descendant of David which Jesus fulfilled perfectly. Both his mom, Mary, and his dad, Joseph, were descendants of David. So this is Jesus. We know this with New Testament light. He would be a fruitful branch. It's promised here in verse 1. This is so helpful to us as believers. This fruitful branch, this speaks of Jesus' kingdom branching out progressively and gradually in our lives. The kingdom is progressive and gradual and the lives of those around us, in our lives and the lives of those around us. When we pray the sinner's prayer, Jesus doesn't just wave his hand and make everything experientially perfect in our lives. We become legally perfect when we pray the sinner's prayer in sincerity at salvation, but experientially, we gradually and progressively become more like Christ every single day we say yes to him and follow him. This is the branch. His kingdom branches out in our hearts. That should give us peace in the process. And when we sing to the holiness, we, his kingdom branches out that much more as we do that. This is the sanctification process. Now, before we delve into the sevenfold aspects of the Holy Spirit here in Isaiah 11, verse 2, let's look at what John saw in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation 1, verses 4 and 5. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you or power to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come 
and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So John right here in Revelation 1, he saw the Trinity in heaven. The Trinity is in this verse right here. He saw the throne room of heaven, and he blessed the seven churches. And he's blessing each one of us this morning, if we have a heart to receive it, with grace, power, and peace from three sources. From the Father in heaven, he's got his own measure of grace and peace to impart to your heart. From the seven spirits which are before his throne, we'll talk about that in a second. And from Jesus himself, the faithful witness. So we see here there's different measures of grace, power, and peace to be received from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit. We can take home an encouraging point from this verse. We are always carrying around a plus three advantage in every situation. We are always carrying around the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and grace and peace from each one of those sources. That should give us confidence in, in, in any situation. We are never alone. We're never in the minority. We have the uncreated trinity with all of their grace and all of their peace always with us as we stay connected to them by just talking to them. Another verse for us, Revelation 3.1. And to the angel, this is the words of Jesus, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So Jesus possesses the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. They're in his possession, which we should take a lot of confidence in. It means that he's more than able to impart them to us. And he actually wants to impart them to us as we ask in faith. That's what we're going to do at the end of the message today. The big point here, there aren't seven different Holy Spirits. This might be the first time some of you have heard about the seven spirits of God. There aren't seven different Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit with seven different aspects or revelations or manifestations of his grace in our lives. Just like there's nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's one source, one spirit. There's nine different evidences of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's one spirit, though. And we can think about it in nature. Pure white light goes through a prism and refracts into how many different colors? Seven. Roy G. Biv. Y'all remember that from science? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. That is a picture in nature of the Holy Spirit manifesting in seven different aspects in our life. God's everywhere in creation. <laughs> it's incredible. So cool. It's the same oil, the same source going up this branch and then going, spreading out into seven different areas. I was on a run yesterday and I was trying to figure out how to explain this to you guys. And I saw in my spirit, I saw in my heart, I saw seven different colors coming out of this, this olive branch or this lampstand right here. Which is, this is the national symbol for Israel, by the way. It's not the Star of David. That's a new thing. This is the ancient God symbol of Israel or the people of God. And this is in your hearts. We're going to look at this at the end. But this in the spirit is in each one of our hearts as a believer. So we're going to ask for more oil at the end to fill our lamps. 
But on the run, I saw seven different colors coming out to represent their seven different aspects of this one Holy Spirit. But I thought, there's probably not a picture online like that, that demonstrates this. That's kind of weird. I don't know if, if anyone's ever thought of that. And so I, I'm looking on social media yesterday, and I see Nicole Smith has posted a picture of this banner, which I didn't even know existed, but my parents put out on Thursday night at their Passover celebration. I, I see the picture. I'm like, no way. I actually heard God. I saw God. <laughs> he showed me. And so this is a perfect representation. One Holy Spirit branching out into seven different graces for our lives. Does that make sense? So cool. All right, let's look at the verse. The Spirit of the Lord, verse 2, shall rest upon him. This is upon Jesus. Remember, we can always look to Jesus as our example. He exemplified and carried the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit of God perfectly. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is the first manifestation. It's the very Spirit of the Lord himself. It's the third person of the Trinity. It's the middle branch which fuels all the rest. It's the main branch, fuels the other six, the Spirit of the Lord. But let's look at this verse. The word rest here in this verse six is so key. The Holy Spirit came like a dove and rested upon Jesus. Doves rest upon people that have a certain nature. They have the lamb nature. When John saw Jesus the first time, he said, behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He was pointing to the inner nature of Jesus' heart as a lamb, someone who's gentle, humble, meek, tender, lowly, kind. This is the nature we must possess to have the Holy Spirit rest upon us, the lamb nature. So this is the first step to cultivating an increased activity of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, is to possess a lamb nature ourselves. So we should intentionally ask for help to be tender, to be humble, to be gentle, to be lowly. We should pray for an increase in this because as we go lower, his spirit falls in an increased measure on our lives. We must possess this lamb nature to carry this well, just like Jesus did. All right. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's the first. It's the Lord himself. It's the person of God in the spirit. Second manifestation or aspect is the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom gives us the supernatural ability to apply knowledge and understanding at the right place at the right time. I'll say that again. The spirit of wisdom gives us the supernatural ability to apply knowledge and understanding that we've picked up along the way at the right place in the right time, the Kairos moment. I love this analogy of, of wisdom. Someone's going to put up the picture there. You can show the axe picture, not the body spray. Yikes. Middle school locker rooms. So bad. Axe bombs. That's where someone just sprayed axe for like a minute. Oh, so bad. Praise God, we moved past that, I think. Or at least I've moved past middle school. All right. <laughs> okay, look at this picture. This is a perfect representation of wisdom. Knowledge and understanding is the axe. 
Wisdom is the ability to know where to strike that ax to get the maximum effect to, to knock down that tree. Wisdom is knowing when and where something is appropriate. Experience breeds wisdom. And again, in this Isaiah 11:2 wisdom is not human wisdom. It's not earthly wisdom. It's different. It's holy. It's supernatural wisdom related to God's kingdom. So what does that mean for us? Well, Benny Hinn taught me this. Got a chance to sit in on a Benny Hinn teaching. It was amazing. I love that man. He taught me this. Godly supernatural wisdom, specifically the word of wisdom, that gift, is knowing what Bible verse to apply to a situation. This is godly wisdom. What story in the Bible? Because my mom just said it. The Bible has everything we need. It has every answer to every question. So supernatural wisdom is knowing what Bible verse to apply to what situation at the right time or what Bible story. That's amazing. I was like, that is brilliant. Thank you, Benny Hinn. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we're going to narrow our definition further from what I said earlier. The spirit of wisdom is the supernatural ability to know when and where to apply something from the Bible to see the most kingdom breakthrough in a situation. When you're praying with someone, if you have a Bible verse spoken to you by God, that can unlock something for them. Your own opinion or your good thoughts aren't going to change that person, but a Bible verse might, spoken in faith. Many people think Solomon asked for wisdom when he got that, that one request from God. Ask anything you want, Solomon. Which, by the way, was in a dream. Isn't that amazing? God trusted Solomon so much, he gave him this opportunity to dream, and it was as good as it was if he was awake. So pay attention to your dreams. Reading it closely and literally, though, he didn't ask for wisdom. He actually asked for a hearing heart, a heart that could hear the word of God in order to lead God's people well. A hearing heart. This is wisdom. The spirit of wisdom gives us a hearing heart to supernaturally hear the rhema, the right now word of God spoken to apply in a real life, real time situation that needs God's intervention. Just a couple examples of the spirit of wisdom working in my own life. The last two messages I've preached, I know how important it is to tell you guys the right thing at the right time. The Lord showed me that. Like, I can't just preach any old message from the Bible. I mean, it's all good, but I want to be able to preach the right now prophetic message that will encourage the church's heart for this hour. So I've asked God for confirmation. I've had these last two messages in my heart, but I said, God, would you confirm that I'm supposed to speak them to the church on this Sunday? Because they could be for three years from now, or they could be just for my own heart. So God has given me the spirit of wisdom in a dream both times where in a dream I'm telling someone the very title of the message, the verses or the the theme of the message in the dream that week before. I had it a few days ago and I had it the last time I spoke on Zechariah 3. I'm literally telling the title of a message in a dream. I'm like, okay. So the last two sermons the Lord has given me dreams that where the spirit of revelation has broken in or the spirit of wisdom has broken in to show me which Bible verse to apply to you guys in the right time. I have the whole Acts of the Bible at my disposal, but I needed to know when and where to apply it. And God answered by giving me a hearing heart in the dream. The spirit of supernatural wisdom is real. Ask for more of it. All right, 
The third aspect is the spirit of understanding. It's coupled here with wisdom. This is supernatural understanding of the Bible. The spirit of understanding, different than the spirit of wisdom, but related, is the part of the Holy Spirit that causes those aha moments as you're reading God's word. It's the illuminating breath of God that opens the eyes of our hearts that we may see marvelous things in his law. It's the spirit that causes you to marvel at God's word and to retain it and to understand it. It's like when you've read a passage 50 times, but suddenly you see something new and beautiful. Or you read something in the Bible that you've never really understood, but all of a sudden it clicks. That's the spirit of understanding resting on you in that moment. It's the spirit of understanding at work. By a show of hands, who's had those moments in your life? The aha moment. See? Look at you. You've got your hand raised. You are susceptible to the Holy Spirit of God. You're susceptible You're a worthy candidate to have the spirit of understanding resting upon you, which means you're worthy of all seven of these. Everyone say, I'm worthy. (laughs) Simply, the spirit of understanding imparts to us biblical clarity and insight. The spirit of understanding, as it were, beefs up our spiritual axe, makes it thicker, and makes the axe head sharper. It builds up our arsenal of Bible verses to know when and where to apply them, or at least to have the information to where the Holy Spirit can draw on that and bring it out. What good is the spirit of understanding, though, without the spirit of wisdom coupled with it? That's why they're together right here. That's why they're together. If we all of a sudden understand something in the Bible, but we don't know how and when to apply it in our hearts and our practical lives, what will it benefit us? We need both wisdom and understanding alive in our hearts in tandem. And that's why they're paired together as the second and third aspects here of the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, I bet we've all experienced the opposite of the spirit of understanding. And that's the spirit of confusion. It's real. It is a demonic spirit. It's the opposite of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you feel confused or cloudy, welcome in. Exchange that confusion for the spirit of understanding. Just say, God, give me the spirit of understanding. Remove the fog. And I believe that he'll do that. I want to exchange confusion for biblical understanding and clarity. I want to get the Bible more. So, because I want this, I want to make this aspect, my friend, the spirit of understanding. And I'm going to let you in on something. In the end times, guys, God is going to raise up millions of weak people like you and me who understand the biblical end time storyline because they understand it. They're called people of understanding because they understand it. God is going to raise up these people. And I'm going to tell you, probably 98% of the world at that time is not going to get what's going on. But there's going to be those 2% that get it, that get to inform other believers and so many unbelievers that a multitude of people by the end will be people of understanding that understand the end time narrative. And you know what you're going to become in that moment? You're going to become a pillar of stability. When everything around is shaken, Haggai 2, everything that can be shaken will be shaken in the heavens and the earth. Like Josh said a month ago, it's all going to come down. 
The whole system's coming down. Who's going to be the people that aren't shaken? It's the people who have the spirit of understanding related to the Bible and the end times resting on them. This isn't some nice thing to add to your Christian life. This is necessary to not give in to fear, offense, lust, and deception in the end times. This spirit of understanding is necessary. And God promises in Daniel eleven thirty three. He says, in the end, there will be people who understand, who will instruct many in your living rooms, online. You're going to instruct many because you've gone deep in the word of God. And you've allowed the spirit of understanding to illuminate your heart. And you get it when all these wars start happening. You get it when the famines happen. And you know someone's in control leading history. And that, man is na- that man's name is Jesus who's leading history. Who wants to be a person of understanding? Who wants to be a pillar of stability? You're raising your hand in faith, and that means you gotta go deep. You gotta spend real time letting the spirit of understanding getting on the inside of you. First Chronicles 12, 32 will be our bridge verse into the spirit of counsel, the next manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse. It says, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. Basically, they had the spirit of understanding resting on them. Look what the next, ver- or next part of the verse says. To know what Israel ought to do. Because they had the spirit of understanding, they were able to make good decisions and actually know what to do. So this spirit of understanding led them to the spirit of counsel, which is our next spirit, or our next aspect of the spirit. The spirit of counsel, you can think of, it, think of it as guidance, advice, wise plans. You can be a consultant in the spirit, decision-making, problem-solving. Guys, we are faced with a multitude of decisions daily. We desperately need a fresh measure of the spirit of counsel in order to make the right calls. We need fresh oil in this part of our, the lamp of our hearts for each day's decisions. We need, need that sons of Issachar anointing and oil that we would know what we and our families ought to do. At every fork in the road, the spirit of counsel is waiting for you to ask him what to do. Isn't that amazing? Every fork in the road, he's just sitting there in your heart saying, would you ask me? The Holy Spirit's name is Counselor. That's his name. That's one of his names. That means he's really good at giving counsel. He really always knows the best decision to make. If we just quieted our hearts enough, turned off our phones enough, we could actually hear him. I'm speaking to myself. The spirit of counsel is ready at every fork in the road to help us make the most God-glorifying decision and sometimes even the life-saving decision in that moment. Harriet Tubman in the 1800s, The spirit of counsel helped her rescue 70 people in 13 supernaturally guided trips to Maryland that she made. She went from the north, south over the Mason-Dixon line and rescued 70 real people from slavery. Because the spirit of counsel, decision making, broke in when she was on her trips. And she would have open visions. She would see where the slave masters are and she would see where to go. Literally at a fork in the road, you got real lives in danger who could be killed for running away. The spirit of counsel broke in 
to Harriet Tubman because she was a yielded vessel. She saved 70 people. Do you think that's going to happen in the end times? Do you think there's going to be really pe- people who really want to kill us because of our faith? It's happening over in Afghanistan and Iran right now in China. It's going to happen here one day, I believe. We're going to need the spirit of counsel to break in, give us supernatural visions or supernatural understanding, tell us to go left instead of right. Again, this isn't some nice thing to add to your Christian life. This is necessary. Jesus himself, sorry I'm yelling at y'all. I love (laughs) y'all. Jesus himself is called the wonderful counselor. If two of the three of the Godhead's name has counselor in them, I think God is showing us that he really wants to give us wise counsel. He really wants to help us in our decision making. (laughs) At every convoluted, complex quagmire of a problem, the spirit of counsel is ready to help you untie those knots and those riddles with one word or one little action to help those complex problems. The spirit of counsel also helps us to love others really well too. It gives us the supernatural ability to counsel and help people at a heart and practical level. We've all, we've all probably been in a counseling session where a pastor or a friend literally talked us off a ledge or they helped us and we really got real help. That was the spirit of counsel resting on that person helping you or you were that person helping your friend. We've probably been in, in both situations, both sides of the table. We all, I believe deep down, wanna be able to help people. Is that right? The spirit of counsel helps us to help people. And it, just a little pastoral note, we can't counsel a demon away. We have to cast out a demon. Demonic influence is different than a lifestyle change that someone might need. We gotta cast a demon out, but we gotta counsel people practically to spend their time better. There's a difference. But we really can, with the help of the spirit of counsel, we can really help people into, into an abundant life. And other than asking for God for a fresh measure of it often, which is a great first step, and we'll do it at the end of the, today, the best way to grow in the spirit of counsel is to surround yourself with people who consistently make good decisions with their time, their money, their talent. Surround yourself consistently with people who consistently make good decisions. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men, or people who have the spirit of counsel, will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. Some of you need to remove yourself from some friendships that are foolish. In the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. You're going to grow in the spirit of counsel as you surround yourself who have this as you surround yourself with people who have the spirit of counsel. All right, fifth aspect, the spirit of might or power or strength. Oh, how we need might on the inside and on the outside. Internal and external strength and power to accomplish the great things that God has planned for us to do. If Harriet Tubman didn't have the spirit of might, she saw where to go, but she had no physical energy or no 
inner fortitude to keep going, she would just quit. Like we all would if we didn't have the energy to do it or the internal fortitude to do it. So we need the spirit of might coupled with the spirit of counsel to accomplish what God has shown us to do. We need physical energy and focus to live the abundant and joyful and fruitful life that God has for each one of us. And remember, the Antichrist in Daniel 7, the spirit of the Antichrist. A lot of us won't see the Antichrist face to face. Hopefully we don't. That would be scary. But we will experience the spirit of Antichrist. Do you know what it says in Daniel 7, what the Antichrist seeks to do to the saints? Wear them out. He seeks to get them tired. (laughs) So... Guess what? The spirit of might, because it's holy and uncreated, is better than the spirit of the Antichrist and and more and bigger. (laughs) So call on it. The spirit of might, power and strength, is the supernatural energy from God himself that is needed to serve and love ourselves, our families, our church, and our community. Bill Johnson had a joke. I don't know if it was from him, but it it was funny. He said, my greatest childhood memory is having energy. <laughs> if we're true, that's, that's probably like 90% of us. <laughs> this doesn't have to be our lot as adults, though. This doesn't have to be the case to feel tired and drained. So the spirit of might helps us with that. But it's not just outer physical energy and strength. The spirit of might also strengthens our inner man to keep our thoughts and our words bridled and in agreement with God's thoughts and his words. When we get weak and broken down, mentally and physically tired, we are much more likely to think and say things that we're going to regret. I've done it. Or when we're fasting sometimes too. (laughs) But the spirit of might doesn't leave us alone. He, he gives us help. He helps us to avoid regret by supernaturally keeping our inner man strengthened, our thoughts and emotions in agreement with the thoughts and emotions of God. Mike Bickle, Josh McDonald's pastor at IHOP, Kansas City, he says that he prays this prayer the most. 20 to 30 times a day. He internally pauses and asks God for that inner strength and probably the outer strength too and might, strength and might than his inner man. What he's doing there, he's asking for a fresh measure of oil. It's right here. He's asking for a fresh measure of oil for that day's needs. And we should regularly do that too. Countless times I've been exhausted physically and emotionally, but I still have an important thing to do with my family or in ministry. I found that when I commune with the Holy Spirit of God, who's got all seven, when I commune with him through praying in tongues, through praying in my prayer language, I get those second winds of energy and the focus and the ability to love that I need. Praying in the Spirit it might be a few minutes, it might be 20 minutes, but it's, it's better than drinking coffee. I still drink coffee, don't think I'm, but yeah. Just the other night, I was drained after an amazing day, but it just took it out of me. And we had a, a dinner planned with a family that we love. I got a second wave of energy from the spirit of might in order to be able to enjoy and love this amazing family with my wife as we had dinner with them. The spirit of might 
power and energy is real and can really help us to accomplish the tasks the Lord has for us each day. And it will also help to keep our inner life bridled in an agreement and alignment with God's opinion and perspective. Also, my mom's class, shameless plug, eating healthy and clean and drinking lots of water is also a great way to allow the spirit of might free access in your life. Let's not be found warring against the spirit of might by eating Burger King. No, I'm for real. I'm speaking to myself. Brooke's looking at me. Help me, God. God cares about our body. <laughs> and my mom's going to teach on that in Sunday school at 9.15. So let's go to the last two aspects of the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Marissa, you can come up. The spirit of the knowledge of the Lord. We can actually, I'll call you up in a, sorry, a few minutes. I don't want you up here f- just for forever, Okay. The spirit of the knowledge of the Lord, okay, so that'd be right here, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord. We can rightly substitute the word experience or encounter for the word knowledge here. So the spirit of the encounter of the Lord or the spirit of the experiential knowledge of the Lord. This word for knowledge here in this Hebrew, In the Hebrew language in mind, it's synonymous. Knowledge is synonymous with living understanding and experiential encounter. It's not just head knowledge with facts. The Jewish mind doesn't merely know something in their head. They truly know something when they experience it with their bodies, souls, and spirits. And guess what? Our Messiah is and or was and is Jewish and will always be Jewish. When the word talks about the knowledge of the Lord, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jesus, it's talking about the experiential living and breathing understanding of God's heart, mind, and will. It's talking about a very real, personal, intimate relationship and dialogue that God longs for each one of us to have. The spirit of the experiential knowledge of the Lord helps us. Why do we need it? It helps us to supernaturally encounter and experience the person of God. It helps us to do what David did. David literally said this. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste, like with your body, experience God and see with the eyes of your heart and maybe even see visions and dreams that he's good. With your whole body, experience your whole self body, soul, and spirit, experience the Lord. Taste and see that he's good. The spirit of the knowledge of the Lord helps us to obey that verse. It helps us to truly be a friend of God at the relational heart level. It helps us to fulfill the first and greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How can we love someone we don't know? Three quick verses that show how important the knowledge of God is for every person. Two of these verses are scary, so buckle your seatbelts. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, the words of Jesus, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to Jesus in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This Matthew 7 camp was eternally condemned because they never stepped into the spirit of the experiential knowledge of God. They didn't have that relational friendship with God. They had a lot of head knowledge that they they even used in their life, but they didn't have a heart-to-heart relationship and connection with God. They didn't actually know God. They never stepped into this aspect of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 33, 6. This is a good one. I sandwiched in a good one of the, of the two scary ones. Isaiah 33. Wisdom and the knowledge of God. That's the implication here. Wisdom and the knowledge of God will be the stability of your times. How many of us needed stability over the last two years when everything was shaking just a little bit? Stuart Greaves from IHOPKC said, people were like, are these, are these the um, birth pains of the end times? And Stuart Greaves said, I don't even know if they're birth pains. They might just be morning sickness. <laughs> morning sickness compared to transitional labor, there's a big difference. We're going to need, again, these aren't nice Christian things that we need or can make our life a little bit better. These are necessary. The spirit of the knowledge of the Lord will be the stability when everything's shaken, when it's all coming down. And the strength of salvation. Great stability comes from the spirit of the knowledge of God. Hosea 4, 6. My people, God's people, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This isn't a lack of Bible knowledge. This is a lack of experiential relationship, a lack of oil. The five unwise virgins in Matthew 25, they had a lack of experiential relationship with God, and so they missed it. The five wise virgins had relationship with God. They had oil in their lamps. They had the oil of the spirit of the knowledge of God, and so they made it. I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want any of you to be destroyed. Let's cultivate a lifestyle of asking for encounters with God. My own life, the spirit of the knowledge of God delivered me from alcohol addiction in 2013, July 23rd, and led me into a relationship with Jesus. I walked into a room broken, hopeless, addicted. I walked into a room where worship music was playing. And the very person of God walked in the room. I didn't see him, but he was as real as Brooke is right now, even realer. And he was pouring love on me, like liquid love, all over me. Again, I didn't see any of this, but I felt so loved and so accepted. It was heaven on earth. And I just went from a life of hell on earth in addiction to heaven on earth in one moment. The spirit of the knowledge of the Lord, the experiential encounter with Jesus is what set me free from addiction and led me into a relationship with Jesus and everything changed from that moment. This spirit is heaven on earth. (laughs) So we wanna ask for it. John 17, three, why can I say it's heaven on earth? Because Jesus basically said it. He said, this is eternal life or quality and quantity of life, eternal life, heaven on earth. What is heaven on earth? That they may know you, the Father, and me, his Son, whom you've sent. Knowing God, experientially encountering him, is heaven on earth. And the more we know him, 
The more we love him, the more we love him, the more we actually fear and revere and honor him. And that leads me into the last aspect of the sevenfold spirit of God. Marissa, you can come up now. (laughs) The more we encounter him, the more we'll actually fear him, revere him, honor him with our whole lives. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, the last one right here. And just a fun little full circle moment. What's the beginning, or sorry, what's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. So the first aspect, other than the pure spirit of the person of God, is wisdom. And then the last one is the fear of the Lord. So they're tied in together. This this means there's tons of bleed over, and it's all one. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So you need the seventh to have the second. And you need all of it. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. The spirit of the fear of the Lord produces, what does it do? If we have, we're hosting the spirit, it produces the reverential awe in our hearts. But it doesn't just stop at awe. It causes obedience to God in our actions. The fear of the Lord causes obedience radically. Obedience no matter the cost, even if your head's on the chopping block, no matter how uncomfortable obedience might be to your flesh following him. The fear of the Lord will cause you to talk to that person at Whole Foods that you're terribly afraid to share Jesus with. And the same spirit will help you to give your life if it comes to that in the end times. To love not your life to the death. The best definition I've ever heard from the fear of the Lord is from Corey Russell. He said the fear of the Lord basically means everything matters. Everything matters. Nothing is separate, holy, and secular, there's no division. Everything matters in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord causes us to be aware that our internal and external responses in every situation matter eternally because God's eyes are always on us. The fear of the Lord produces that constant awareness that we will answer and give an account for everything we do in this life. You ever have that feeling that someone's watching you? Well, someone is. Always. The fear of the Lord reminds you of that. Now, growth in the fear of the Lord, supernaturally, this is such a benefit of the fear of the Lord, it supernaturally produces a commensurate decrease in the fear of man. Fear of the Lord up, fear of man down. (laughs) And fear of man believe the Lord gave me this definition. Fear of man is receiving our value and identity from other people's opinions. Fear of man is receiving our value and identity from other people's opinions of us. The fear of man, Bible says, is a snare. Just like a bird is caught in a snare for the fowler, the fear of man is a snare. Being free from that snare is glorious (laughs) it's so glorious and how do we get free we cultivate the fear of the lord true freedom just a little pastoral note as we're closing here 99 percent of the things we do for god may never garner human praise or attention no one will ever notice or if they do they might not say anything that's just how it is hey and that's okay Because again, God doesn't want us to get our reward 
from other people's opinion primarily. He wants us to get our reward from him and his eyes because his rewards are everlasting. People's rewards, their praise, it fades and gets forgotten. But the Lord sees it all and he will reward it all. He sets up a memorial in heaven forever for every cup of cold water you give to someone in his name. The smallest act of obedience, he sets up a memorial forever. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Everything matters. Living before the audience of one, this is the fear of the Lord. Also, the spirit of the fear of the Lord produces a holy trembling at the might and the majesty of God, a trembling in our hearts. I just wanna say this trembling needs to be restored to the church. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord produces a holy trembling. There are so many benefits to a lifestyle of trembling. Three quick ones. Isaiah 66, two, the Lord himself says, on this one will I look. I mean, I'm gonna look with eyes of favor on this person. Who is this person? They're poor and of a contrite spirit meaning they know their weakness, and they tremble at my word. When's the last time you were in the word of God and you started trembling at the goodness and the glory and the perfection of God? The one who trembles at his word, the one who respects and reveres his word is the one he looks on with favor. Philippians 2, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Hosea 3.5, afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. This is gonna be our story. Remember, we're not, we're trembling at his goodness. We're trembling because he's so amazing. This is the kind of lifestyle that the fear of the Lord produces, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So I'm gonna invite you guys to stand to your feet. We're gonna receive, we're gonna ask for and receive in faith fresh oil in our hearts today. Remember, each one of you has this in your hearts. Not literally, because that would be medically probably hard to live with that in your heart. But in the spirit, you have this in your heart. The Holy Spirit gave you this the moment you said yes to Jesus. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, say yes to him right now. Receive him right now. The moment you do that, you will receive this lampstand in your heart. John the Baptist was called a burning and shining lamp. God meant that literally in the spirit. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, who lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket? You put it out for everyone to see. So I want, your, I want my heart, the lamp in my heart, and the lamp in your hearts to shine bright. So that's what we're gonna do to respond here. Jesus said in John 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. The Father sent Jesus in Isaiah 11 with the sevenfold spirit of God, and Jesus has sent us with the same access to the same spirit. There is no difference when the Father looks at us and when he looks at Jesus with what we have access to. That's startling. As the Father sent Jesus, so he sent us. This means you have full access. This just means there's an open door to this in full measure. Zechariah 4.14, 
the interpreting angel tells Zechariah, he says, these are the two anointed ones, or literally the sons of fresh oil. He saw real people as sons of fresh oil who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And so if you want fresh oil in all seven of these aspects of the Spirit of God in your heart, I want to invite you to come to the front right now. If your heart was tugged at all in any one of the seven, just come to the front. This isn't about coming to the front. This is about an action step. Look at what qualified these sons of fresh oil. They stood beside the Lord of the whole earth. I mean, they lived a lifestyle of, of nearness and intimacy to God. They daily said, I'm going to stand before and beside the Lord of the whole earth. Because of that, they got fresh oil supernaturally for every day's task, every day's need. I want to invite prayer teams too. If you're not up here, as people are asking in just a minute, I want you to just say yes to what God is doing. Lay hands on them. Say yes to what he's doing. By you coming up, or even if you're back there and you're still agreeing in your heart, that's okay. You're saying, I want to be a son or a daughter of fresh oil. I want my cup to overflow. I want the lamp in my heart with the all seven aspects to overflow for every day's need. And before we ask, I have two verses that give us confidence. Jesus said in Luke 11, he said to all earthly fathers, which includes me, he said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says, all you earthly fathers know how to give good birthday gifts. How much more will your perfect Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So what we're gonna do to respond right now is painfully simple, painfully simple. You're going to ask him for an increased measure of the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. You're gonna painfully, simply ask him, knowing that it's your father's good pleasure to give you the Holy Spirit that you asked for. How much more will your perfect father in heaven give to those who ask him for an increase? James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's the spirit of wisdom. If any of you lack something, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. That means he doesn't hold back. He pours it over and it's like gets messy. He gives to all liberally and without finding fault, meaning he doesn't look and be like, oh, poor little one, they're asking, they're so weak. He says, no, I wanna give it to you. Without reproach, he gives it to you. It says it will be given to him. But hey, let him ask in faith doubting nothing. So if you don't have faith right now that God's going to give you fresh oil in your lamp, ask him for faith. Because if you don't have faith, you can ask him for faith. So that's the starting place. Ask for faith right now. Say, God, give me faith that you're a good father and that you really want to give me an increase. And now start asking him. You're going to have the seven spirits of God if you need to refer to them on the screen. Just start asking for them by name. We're going to do this for two or three minutes and then we're done will be done, but ask him for two or three minutes by name for the Spirit of the Lord. 
an increase of the spirit of wisdom, an increase in understanding to get the Bible, an increase in your decision making, an increase in might, an increase in the experiential encounter of the Lord, an increase in the reverential awe of the Lord. Just start asking him by name. And he's a good father. He's here. He's got enough oil for everyone. stay lingering up here if you're still asking please do that stay here in this holy moment but if you're not or you need to go get your kids we'll respect the children's ministry and just release you to go get your kids if you want to bring them back in here you can but we're formally dismissed now but we're going to stay in this atmosphere of asking and seeking and knocking and as you go I just want to encourage you Keep a lifestyle of asking for fresh oil for each day. If you need to take a picture of this list or just know it's always in Isaiah 11, if you ever wonder where it is, it's Isaiah 11, verse 2. If you ever, if you want to cultivate a lifestyle of overflowing, just ask daily, ask weekly, however often God leads you to. And also just to respect what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room. If you're not having a conversation where you're giving a prayer or a prophetic word, it invites you, if you're having a normal conversation, to have those out in the lobby. To respect what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room, please have those conversations out in the lobby or on the sidewalk. Keep the atmosphere of locked eyes on the Lord right now. Have a great week, guys. Thank y'all. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.